Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 39 of the Dave Cast. This episode is brought to you by Alaska Canine Solutions. That is correct. I have my first official sponsor. Alaska Canine Solutions is a company created by one of my good buddies, Pat Shu, who you guys are going to hear about a lot about him on this podcast because during story time, I talk about my deployment to Africa. And that's where I met Pat. Uh, he took me under his wing. It was my first military deployment. He, trained, he showed me how to train dogs, how to work dogs. He showed me so much. I learned a lot from him. And I am so proud to have him be my first sponsor. I really am. Uh, Pat trains dogs. He trains them for personal protection. He trains them for detection to find explosives. He'll fucking train them to find whatever you want them to find, man. Uh, if you guys have any want any pointers on how to train dogs or any of that stuff, feel free to hit him up. He's on Facebook. Uh, Pat Shu, or he's on Facebook at uh, Alaska Canine Solutions. Pat, man, thank you so much for being my first sponsor. And we'll, I'll give you as many shout-outs as you want, dude, for real. Uh, you're one of my favorite people, honestly. Can't wait to have you on my podcast or at least do it over the phone and we can talk. And, man, it's going to be fun. I'm excited for it. So hope you guys enjoy the podcast. I think it came out pretty good. And seriously, uh, hit me up with any feedback you guys have. Uh, Hit me up, Dave Helmbrecht, on Facebook. I have uh, Dave's Podcast one at gmail.com or Funny Welder on Twitter and Instagram. Enjoy the podcast, guys. Later. Hey, what's going on, you guys? Welcome back to episode, I think it's 37, of the Dave Cast. It is that day, man. It's Thursday. My favorite day because it's podcast day. Um... I have a lot to talk about on this podcast. I say that every time and then I forget about the shit I want to talk about. Uh, We had a gnarly, like, blizzard-conditioned storm last night. I don't think we got very much snow, but the wind picked up to, like, 60, they said, and blew a lot of snow around, but very much just stopped the wind and the snow out here, so it kind of blows everything clear. The roads have been just fine. It is so cold, it's ridiculous. I think it said it's negative 8 with a wind chill of negative 35 at the moment. Uh, I try to re- reiterate or tell people that if you're going to be out in this shit, man, you better either throw some blankets in the trunk of your car, have a winter survival kit. Uh, I catch my kids like not having jackets or gloves and hats on and stuff. They'll just be wearing a sweater in the middle of winter and it's like dress for like the worst case scenario. Dress so like if we're driving somewhere, we get in an accident and now the vehicle's not running and we got to get out for a second or whatever, man. It's it's not safe. You've got to be safe. you got to dress safe. This shit will kill you out here. I think we're all so used to living in it and we're all so used to being around it that you don't realize, like, if you spent... I don't know if you'd make it 30 minutes in this outside in this right now. Even with proper gear on, you'd be hurting after a little while. You'd find yourself some cover of some kind. My fucking hands are cold from just holding the steering wheel. The wind is nasty, so I'm actually taking a different direction using the wind at my back not to have this breezy ass trailblazer that's right i'm back in the trailblazer uh i said heck with it i'll drive it oh i didn't know the roads were going to be this morning so if the roads were going to be really shitty and then drifted up real bad i would have went back and would have been like an hour late for work and just me and robin would ride together that's what we've done before i think or we've talked about doing so we live out of town a little ways but the roads are not bad i'm cruising in right now pretty fast i'm almost, i was gonna be a little late for work but not that they would care I'm never late and 
with the circumstances of like the blizzardy shit last night. I get it. I could use it as an excuse. My car didn't start or my car got stuck. So many excuses when it comes to snow. Uh, uh, so, huge shout out to my boy Dave Batman, Batman Design. Uh, he listens to the podcast. I don't know how often he listens to it. But he gives me feedback sometimes, and I really do appreciate that. If you guys don't know Batman Design in Grand Forks, Batman, Dave Batman's an artist. Like a metallurgy man, he does a lot of metal work. He does stuff with everything and anything, and he's awesome. He makes really cool stuff. He's made some pretty cool stuff for the for UND and other organizations around town. He's loved by everybody. He's a great dude. Uh, it's good seeing him again back at the gym. Uh, been back at jujitsu. Now again, I've been I've been going to every class every week almost every Tuesday Thursday if I can. Uh, I'd say it feels good to be back, but. I'm always sore now again and all that other stuff. But it's it's getting a little, little less I'm getting a little less sore every day, either from work or from life or from everything we do. Jiu-jitsu is probably like the hardest thing on my body at the moment. And I'm just trying to I'm like toting this fine line of becoming back into like my old life shape of never being out of shape my entire life to now being out of shape again and trying to get back to that point. I don't know if I'm gonna break. Or I don't know if I'm gonna push through and, and be uh, and be what I was before. I'll never be what I was before. But I think I'm feeling better. I think I think a lot of the soreness is just slowly, slowly going away. I hope. <laughs> See, I deal with all the issues with my neck and my left arm and my left tro- shoulder area has all that weird issues going on. Well, yesterday my pain was in my right trap, like an upper shoulder, neck area. Uh, woke up this morning feeling a lot better. Robin gave me a back rub last night, and I appreciate it. Cops got somebody pulled over over here. Is that cranked up the whole time? Oh, man, that's probably going to be loud and annoying. I'm sorry, you guys, until somebody sends me enough money for me to make my own podcast studio. <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, I, I should sit down and try to record this in a more in my at home and stuff before I leave for work or just do it there. But I like these rants when I'm driving. Uh, when I'm in the car, I'm kind of loose and I feel like whatever. There comes the wind. There are cars in the ditch all over. There was two cars already and I haven't went a mile yet on uh, Highway Two here. That's what that cop was there for. He had somebody pulled over there in the ditch. I'm not sure. If it was real bad last night or something, but I don't understand how you can go in the ditch right now. There's really nothing on the road. The wind's blowing, so I don't know. It can happen, I guess. Not paying attention, or maybe, maybe they hit some ice. Just cruising along, road's fine, and then all of a sudden it's not fine, and you're like panicking. And I think a lot of people hit the brakes at that moment where you just should just ride through it, let off the gas. If you guys can hear that window noise, it's my apologies. But I don't apologize, remember? It's annoying. Why does it always got to be windy here? Even when I'm not talking. I might be getting pulled over. No, it's just another truck. I thought it was like one of the county's F-350s and I was flying. Give a little cover now. Maybe it won't be so bad. Oh, the Ran Ride, man. I want to talk a little bit about religion. Uh, There's a guy at work. Uh, 
he struggles with some uh, I don't like want to call it mental illness I know he's a he's a he's told me he has he's bipolar like diagnosed uh, I believe that he has some sort of autism as well uh, he's usually pretty quiet and keeps to himself and doesn't talk very often well he's going through a manic stage right now and he tells me this this is the stuff he tells me so I'm not trying to talk shit about him or anything he's a sweetheart of a guy super religious and that's what I was going to get into is that really pushes his religion on me and I guess other people at work brings his bible with him to show us uh, I think work cracked down on him and told him to chill out with that stuff windows driving me nuts you guys I try to get the best content I feel like people are going to like start listening to my podcast and they're going to be like this guy it's terrible microphones or what the fuck's up with that background noise I'm seriously like an ex, I don't know, like a perfectionist. I'm not a perfectionist, but I like to do the best I can in everything I do. And I feel like fucking wind noise isn't the best I can when it comes to a podcast. But you guys get to go on the ride with me. So, so, uh, the guy I work, he... He wants to be an Uber driver, and that's what kind of brought him to me. He came up to me, and he goes, I heard you were an Uber driver. A couple of different people told him. And now I'm like his best friend because he's very nervous about doing Uber. Uh, he's nervous. He doesn't know what to expect. He's got a lot of questions. I was nervous. I had a lot of questions. I didn't know what to expect, you know. And he's he's not socially like, Jesus, man. Uh, some guy's spinning out in front of me. He's very socially awkward, and he's not probably not the best at starting conversations and things. So Uber might be a little tough for him. It might be good for him too, though, to be put in that spot and that situation. And it might be all right. But his car is an 04. He needs an 09 or newer. I try to keep telling him that. That's probably going to be his. That'll end up being his downfall when it comes to not being able to do Uber. Not sure why he wants to do Uber anyway. I'm guessing he's trying to make a little extra money or something. But he pushes his religion on me and tries to get me to go to church with him. He's bad. Like, I've been around people. My sister's very religious. I've been around people who are pretty religious, and this guy, he's pretty bad. I don't know if he knows any better or if he just, that's how he feels. Uh, there's a train coming, and I gotta beat this thing, or I'm gonna be really late for work. Took a different route this morning. It actually wasn't slower by any means. Uh, oh, dear God. Please hurry up. Oh, he's going the other way. Thank Lord. <laughs> I would have missed out on that train. I would have... What of what, Dave? Finish your sentences. That's what happens when I drive. There's a train coming through and there's just a huge cloud of snow coming with it. Like it's pulling all the snow along. It looks pretty cool. It's pretty crazy. Uh, don't push your religion on me, please. I I will never be religious. I really haven't talked about my spiritual, too much spirituality on here. Uh, grew up Catholic, Methodist. Uh, went to church all, every so often. I got some jokes about how we used to lay in bed until 8.30 or whatever time with our eyes closed, pretending to sleep, hoping on nobody would get up and go because if, if everybody was up and moving by a certain time, it was like, well, we might as well go to church. You mean that thing you make a 
kids sit through the most boringest crap ever because even as an adult, most adults don't even understand religion and everything that goes with it. And they just do it because that's what everybody else has been doing or makes them feel better. Or maybe they truly believe. I don't know. Don't push that crap on me right now. Uh, I'm not going to get into it too much. I'll probably lose fans. I've lost friends over religious talk. And I just feel like... My look at religion is this. And it, I, I kind of... I didn't steal this from Jordan Peterson. He's a... Very smart guy. He's, I just call him a scholar. I don't know what he actually is. I don't know if he was... Uh, is actually... His background really is. But anyway, he's a very smart man. And he talks about religion. And he goes... He lives every day like there's a God. He does good things like there's a God. And he just lives like God's watching. But in his mind, he's like, I know there isn't one. And I know, you know... That it was created for whatever reason it was created for. Well, he... Uh, he thinks religion... It, it, it's taken its course. It's like... It, it did its good things. It gave us moral, morals. It gave, made us better people. It really did, you know, and I think we're past that now. I think everybody is reg- pretty much a decent person. I know there's shitheads out there, and there always will be. You're really bad people who want to kill people or torture or hurt other people, but they're always going to be there. You're not going to stop them. Whether religious is, I think if religious is even heavier, like if there's more religion, it makes it even worse. I think you get more, more religious nuts, and uh, religion obviously has caused a lot of bad things too. But I don't know if we would be where we are today without it. So, uh, morally speaking, I guess. I think we'd be okay. I don't know. It's a very interesting way of looking at it. But my thing is this. is this like, I'll never say I know. Like, I'll, we'll never know. You never know until you die what's going to happen after you die. Uh, I am pretty dark about it. Uh, Sorry, I'm backing up. I can't back up and talk to you guys about religion at the same time. Uh, yeah, man, I guess my opinion on religion, like, it it, it can strike some people pretty hard. Um, but the more and more I go along, the more I find people that are, they think like I do. And I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if I'm wrong. Nobody knows if they're right or wrong. That's what I don't like about religious people. They act like they're right. And they think they know. And they don't. Nobody knows. Maybe. Is there a God? Maybe. Is there big pearly gates and a heaven up there somewhere? Maybe. Is none? Of, is all that shit made up and somebody just did it just to control people, make money, fuck children, whatever? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. None of us know. So we need to stop acting like we freaking know. It's dumb. It's like telling... It's like... I don't know. I think religion is like Santa Claus for adults. We need to tell them that they're going to go to hell or they're not... If they act bad or if they act the wrong way, they're going to go to hell and not get this crazy awesome afterlife that everybody else gets. Well, there's no proof of any of it. None. You know, and people are like, oh, miracles happen every day. Oh, miracles, coincidences. I don't know what you want to call them. But I just, that's my take on religion. I'm going to stop there before I make people angry. And I got to go into work before I'm late. Hopefully this wasn't too crazy this morning. Uh, I forgot to give Pat Shue another shout out. I'm going to talk about him. You guys will hear about it already. You've already heard about it. <laughs> but my sponsor, man, I it, it means the world to me, dude. Uh, you'll, you'll, you guys already know. So going into work. Uh, we got a lot coming up, you guys. This, this podcast could be okay. Um, I didn't go crazy with the research I did last week. I just been sore from the gym and a lot of my mind about other stuff. But I'll find some stuff to talk about. We'll make it entertaining. We're going to make it fun. So 
yeah. Uh, we got some. We'll probably do some current events. Uh, since my boy Pat and his canine company sponsored me, we're going to try to get in some military working dog stuff. Uh, maybe some stories or maybe let you guys kind of know how that shit all works. So, yeah. It's going to be a good podcast. I'm excited. Stay tuned for an important news bulletin. Uh, current events. I'm back. I'm back. Current events, you guys. Hope you guys like that. A uh, little jingle I got going on. Uh, this morning I made a mistake. This is episode 39, not 37, Dave. Come on, man. Think. Think a little. I was driving in a blizzard. It wasn't a blizzard anymore, but it's still pretty windy. Pretty crappy. Uh, I also thought, like, maybe people went in the ditch last night because it was whiteout conditions. I never think of that. Like, if they were traveling in last night's blizzard, man... It, it it's probably was no fun to drive in that shit no matter what. I always hate on people like, how can you go in the ditch when the, the roads aren't really that bad? And it, it just, wind can blow you in the ditch. A lot of things can happen. Like I said, you'd be driving along and all of a sudden white out, hit a piaccia ice, piaccia, piaccia ice. <laughs> Why I said it like that, I don't know. I haven't had that much coffee yet today, so it ain't really kicking in too much, but it's kicking in a little. So let's get this shit going. I got 12 more minutes to talk about current events ah, and the only thing I'm going to talk about is the only thing that's going around is this uh, Nick Sandman is his name and Nathan Phillips, a Native American man uh, Nick is from the Covington Catholic Church, I'm sure most of you guys have heard about it if you haven't heard about it, you're not on social media you're not really, you're not woke are you woke enough? I was talking to Robin last night about how people aren't woke or don't even get what's going on like I had family members that didn't even know weed was legal in other states. They just demonized it so much still, and they just thought it was so illegal and so bad for you that they didn't they didn't even know. Like, take the time to leave Facebook and uh, do some research. Figure out what else is going on besides what's going on in your small town. But is there something wrong with that? I don't know. Is there is there something wrong with just minding your own fucking business and not not being all up in all this other shit. You probably live happier life. Like getting into the politics. I wasn't political really ever. Uh, the military kind of trains you to like not voice your political opinion very much. And it's, you can, but you can't do it in uniform or you can't do it by like stating that you are a part of the military or whatever. You just, most of us just avoid it. Uh, but I really didn't get into politics until I went on disability and I was home all day with nothing to do. And I dove into politics and sometimes I wish I didn't, Sometimes I wish I didn't know how messed up our country really is when it comes to like politics and things like that. But I say that, but in comparison to other countries, we still have the greatest country in the world and we still have the best system in the process. Compared to other countries, we're, we're doing really well. We're doing the best, I think. Uh, that's up in the air for debate and this and that, but other countries, man, people, women are still de- oppressed. Uh, minorities, not minorities, but certain types of people in certain areas are oppressed like you go to the Middle East and you have all the little conflicts of different tribes and all the stuff with Israel and there's just so much shit going on where people are killing each other over dumb stuff and uh, it's just it's, it's ridiculous back to the current events man I, got, I went off on a rant there for a minute but so the, the news came out um, the initial I think the big initial part of this whole the Catholic that Catholic kid and the Native American man um so the backstory on it is uh there was some uh was it like Hebrew 
there was another group of people. I can't. Why well, don't not think of it right now? I didn't. I didn't write shit down this time. Maybe I should have wrote more down. I researched it and read into it and been watching videos and and whatever. But the media came out right away and they were so wrong right away. I mean, I don't know. Nobody really knows too much what happened. But there's a lot of video evidence here to tell us that nobody really nobody really did anything that wrong. Um, people are really hating on a 16 year old kid, and that's what got that's what hurt my stomach the most about this whole thing is. You guys can go on and like research it and you can find out, find all these initial tweets by political heads, uh, famous people, actors, whatever, you name it, athletes were like calling, they were calling for like the head of a 16 year old kid, a 16 year old boy. When I was 16 year old, when I was 16, I had no freaking idea what was going on in the world, what was going on with anything really. I was 16, man. All I cared about was going to school, not getting in trouble, not getting grounded and finding some pussy, you know? So a 16-year-old kid is, a 16-year-old boy is thinking about, most of us, at least me, doesn't matter. So this kid holds his ground and just stood in front of this Native American man while he played his drum. Well, I'm, let me back up a little bit. So uh, this Catholic school was there, Covington Catholic school, church school was there. Uh, they were going to meet the president, they were on a tour and a visit, and there was a couple other groups protesting. There's always people protesting there. And uh, while all these people were protesting and whatever was going on, uh, the, this Native American man was beating his drum. Uh, Nathan Phillips is his name. was beating his drum and he comes in and he kind of just walks right into the middle of it all. And like his thing is it was just he was trying to bring peace and just show, hey, man, we need to stop protesting. We need to stop doing whatever his deal is come to find out he's a paid protester like he gets paid to go kind of not necessarily stir shit up but he'll show up and try to be for peace and try to be for the middle or whatever just and but then come to find out that he has leftist views and he's against he's kind of anti-trump as well so he's just there to stir shit up well why would you why stir shit up i don't think it helps it doesn't do anything it doesn't help situations um but in the end, there was no violence. It wasn't a violent thing. It wasn't a violent protest. Uh, the Native American man and this kid didn't get violent. But what I was saying is, is all these people, I am all over the place here, guys. <laughs> you know me. But all these people who are calling for ill will on a child is just ridiculous. For you to say that this kid should be, I think somebody tweeted something about this kid's name should never be forgotten and he should be for like the rest of his life should be like that racist little MAGA hat kid with a smirk look on his face. If I was 16, even to this day, if I was standing there holding my political ground and a Native American man came up and was beating his drum in front of me for peace, for hate, for whatever, it doesn't matter, and I try to keep a straight face, I'm probably gonna start laughing or have a smirk. So everyone's hating on this kid because he stood there with a smirk. Well, one, it took a lot of balls for this 16-year-old kid to stand there and hold his political ground at 16 years old. Like, does he even really know what he's doing? Maybe, maybe not. But he held his ground, you know, and I don't, it was nonviolent. But what the biggest issue with the whole thing is, is this mainstream media. The first videos that come out, we're hating on this kid. Uh, we're showing videos that appear to almost be like a riot. So some of the videos, so there's so many different videos uh, camera angles and just different takes on this that 
it really sh- you could see the whole aspect of it all and you could really see how the media twisted it to make it look like this little racist 16 year old kid was just disrespecting a native veteran elder and you can look at it like that some people out there will probably still be like well that's his you know why would that why is that kid got to hold his ground and this and that shouldn't we be raising our kids to stand up for what they believe uh if you're a good parent and you your kid is standing up for what you believe which is a which isn't hurting anyone else which isn't some crazy radical extremist idea maybe or you know that you don't have to like like if my kids if my kids started to get political and I could they were leaning one way or another like I would love to sit and talk with them and give them my give them my point of view on things my opinion on things and you know if they have a good political grasp on things or even if this kid didn't like hold your ground why not why don't more of us need to hold our ground like I sometimes I just don't say stuff at work and I hold my tongue because it's just to me it doesn't feel worth it sometimes because you're just going to get in some little argument or something you know you, it's not going to you're just going to get told to shut up and color or get your dick slapped in the dirt and it just happens in life but there's nothing wrong I don't think there's anything wrong with that kid holding his ground and people thinking he's some little asshole maybe he is I don't know but all the different camera angles, man, it just really, really makes it interesting if you go... I've watched them all. I've watched as many as I could find. And there are ones that make it look like they're all dancing to the drum and having a good time. There are a bunch of 16-year-old kids, 15, whatever, dancing to the drum like, yeah, like just making it fun and interesting. There's other camera angles that make it look like they're rioting. Uh, there's other camera angles that show like other kids in the background laughing like they're disrespecting him or whatever and just kids man they don't know and then this guy comes in and beating his drum and I don't know I think it I think it was great I think it was great to show that mainstream media needs to needs to fucking it's bad man the the way the media twists things nowadays is just ridiculous I don't even know where to go for my current events I don't want to go for my information it's just it's getting it's getting ridiculous but I don't know um, I'm not on either side here. I'm going to, you know me, man, fence life. I'm going to be on the fence about it. Uh, Nathan Phillips, whether you're paid to be a protester or not, I don't know. I don't have proof or evidence of that. Even that's just what I've been told or read. Uh, he can be there and do his thing too. Beat your drum. Let everybody know. Hey man, be for peace. This is dumb that we're arguing and fighting about dumb shit. Uh, for that kid, good for you. Stand up for your political beliefs. He didn't get violent. He didn't get crazy. Nobody got violent. That's a good thing. Hold your ground in front of that man. And that Native American man kept playing his drum and doing his thing, holding his ground. Great. Great. We should all be able to hold our ground and have our stance. But in the end, we should all be able to sit down and talk with each other and have an open mind. That's what bothers me the most about politics is when somebody's on one side of the spectrum or not or just has their belief and I have my belief and they don't like me because of my belief or they won't even talk to me because of my belief like have an open mind sit down with me at least listen to what I have to say and then disregard it Uh, I love listening to other people talk or other people's take on things and that's where we need to be but what happens now and this is my right side is going to come out a little bit I watch more videos of people on the left blowing bullhorns in people's faces um, attacking veterans. Uh, there was an old veteran with a sign up. I watched a video the other day. They were showing in comparison to like this whole, uh, the native American and this Catholic kid 
they're showing like comparisons and there was like a veteran man like standing outside of like somewhere and he was just protesting like for Trump and these these people came up with bullhorns were blowing them in his face uh, I saw videos of Candace Owens who was a black woman who was on the right side she's a progressive black woman and other women liberal women are in her face blowing bullhorns like how can you be a leftist feminist woman who is all for women's rights and then when a woman gets a platform and talks it's not and it's not your point of view you're gonna hate on her how does that make any fucking sense man the left's coming back around it's all crazy you can go extreme don't get me wrong you can go extreme right and find crazy fucking people over there too we all need everybody needs to be able to voice their opinion i'm telling you voice your opinion get out and voice it if what happens when everybody voices their opinion or everybody sits down and has good debates good conversation without getting violent name calling or leaving or not talking or whatever it's that's the next step that's what we all need to take silencing people isn't what's going to fix america right now in our political this political shit that's going on uh silencing people but what i was getting at is if you're far right you're far left if you're an extremist and you start running your mouth like so i'm a far right guy and i believe in like white white supremacy i'm even racist and i'm open about it like that dude those people nobody none of us like those people nobody talks to those fucking people they got like five friends and those people are crazy too or they're people that feel sorry for them or their family i don't even know their families probably disown them but then you can go far left and you can find super freaking liberal people that are just almost like they're insane. But who am I to call somebody insane? Like, that's just their opinion or whatever. But what I'm getting at, far left, far right, no matter where you are, if you have an extremist opinion and you put it out there, you kind of get, you kind of, you're raising the flag on yourself. Does that make sense? I know my research for current events this week kind of sucked. But it is what it is. And I got to go back to work. Um... What's coming up next, you guys? I think I'm going to do some story time. I don't know if I'm going to call it story time. Call it something. That's going to be another one where uh, I finally got my first official sponsor. I'm psyched about it. My boy, Pat Chewbacca. Uh, I think over lunch, I'm going to tell the story of Africa, my deployment to Africa and what I can remember of it when some of the stuff that happened. Uh, soon enough, uh, Pat's going to get on my podcast. He's in Alaska, so we're going to have to do it through the phone. And I have a couple people that are that I want to interview or have on my podcast and it's going to have to be through the phone and I'm going to have to figure out the best way of doing that. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be in the car while I'm riding or whatever and it might have to be through another phone or recorded through mine or recorded through another device, maybe my computer. I'm definitely going to do that eventually. I'm going to eventually do a lot of shit right. You guys know. That's all I talk about. I'm all hopes and dreams and but I'm still going, you guys. Episode 39, I'm still pushing. I'm still going. I'm not going to stop. I don't know what could stop me at this point. Nobody listens. People tell me it's terrible. I wish I wish people would come out and tell me it's terrible. <laughs> at least it's some sort of feedback. But I have been getting more feedback lately. It's been good. So with the current events, man, like that it's just it just shows that the the, the media. We don't know where to go to get good, healthy news. Honest, healthy, trustworthy news anymore, man. Uh, if you guys know of some if you guys have a news site that you, you go to and you think it's pretty centralized or centrist news that covers everything and doesn't have a political agenda, send it my way. Let me know. Let me know what to look at. But it's tough, man. Everything, I start reading through stuff and I'm, 
I'm such a centrist. I'm so down the middle lately that I just, it's crazy when I watch one story from CNN and one from Fox and they're both pulling me one way and it's like I'm almost confused. It's crazy. But uh, we're going to do some story time. I don't know what to have. I don't have, a, I don't have a jingle yet for story time. My current events jingle is ridiculous and that's how I roll. So stay tuned for current events. Now we just did current events. Dave, you dumbass. Stay tuned for some story time. We're going to talk about my deployment to Africa. It's coming up right now. It's not even like I'm gone. I don't know why I do that. Still talking about that shit. La ha ha. Story time with Dave. Story time with Dave. Story time with Dave. Ah, that was terrible. What's up, guys? I'm back for some story time. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about uh, Djibouti, Africa. Because my I finally got an official sponsor. Yeah, I'm all over his nuts. But... This is where I met that guy, and this is the story of how I met Pat Shu uh, and my first military deployment. I was in the military from 2000 to 2005. I was in Minot doing nuclear security. And when you're stationed in Minot and you're attached or attached or uh, you work for a missile security unit, you are non-deployable. They didn't send you overseas. Uh, they kept, we had to keep our manning in Minot because we have nuclear weapons in the ground and we have to protect those and we don't, so we're non-deployable. First five years of my Air Force career, I did not deploy. Then, uh, I went canine, got stationed here in Grand Forks by choice because I wanted to stay close to home, uh, my home of South Dakota. And, <laughs> come on, Dave, I get going. Anyway, I, uh, one canine got stationed here in 2005 i came here to grand forks uh worked in the kennels uh got my first taste of law enforcement uh, which was awesome because doing security gets pretty boring security is pretty black and white law enforcement you kind of make some your you get to make some decisions and you got to be quick on your feet sometimes when just different incident different situations well uh in 2005 i got picked up for a deployment to go to iraq uh, it would have been with my uh, my first dog I ever had, Rambo. I had a, a Belgian traverne named Rambo, and he was extremely aggressive. Uh, he bit everybody, <laughs> bit me a, like 20 times. I've probably mentioned it on here before. Uh, R- Rambo was interesting, and we're not sure why he was as aggressive as he was. He was more of a fear biter. He was pretty cool until you like just did something and it pissed him off and touched him the wrong way. I stepped on his paw once, and it was like a fucking battle bit me so many times they actually end up euthanizing him because a handler went in his kennel and got like a bunch of like i think he ended up getting like 20 stitches rambo mauled a guy and i was home on leave and they called me back and we ended up euthanizing him at like two and a half years old it was so sad but that dog no way man i couldn't even imagine taking that dog to iraq like flying on a plane with him taking around any other people i don't know man maybe it would have been good for him but it would have been terrible for me to keep him from fucking muzzling everybody because he would have to have two muzzles on it would have been nuts. It would have been out of control. Giorgio. <laughs> my boy Giorgio, I work here. I give him a shout out. He's walking by. Uh, he's the guy that trained me in, uh, to operate the robot here. Uh, he's a pretty cool guy. He's like a Mediterranean. He's from Greece. Uh, he's got some really cool outlooks on stuff. And he's, a, he's an entrepreneur. He likes, he's all about starting his own business and making his own money. And I, I like him. I like talking to him about stuff. Anyway, back on track. So. 2005, I'm supposed to go on a deployment to Iraq. In 2005, Iraq is no joke. Uh, 
I was all I, I was actually really ready to go. I was going through my first divorce, uh, and I just I wanted to step away. Uh, it might have saved my marriage. It might have made it worse. I don't know, but I was ready to go, and I'm doing my out processing. I'm getting ready to go. Super short notice, and I go to the dentist, and I have a cracked. My wisdom teeth actually grew in. But one of them cracked because they say when they grow in, you don't, it's really hard to brush them and take care of them way in the back. And they just rotted, I guess, and it cracked. And it made me cat three dental. So I was unable to deploy to Iraq because I had to have my wisdom teeth pulled. And another handler went in my place, older guy, one of our trainers actually went in my place. And... Uh, he, you know, he had a good tour. He said he said it got pretty crazy over there from time to time, and and this and that. But uh, I didn't have to go to Iraq. Maybe it saved my life. Maybe it was, things might have been different. Crazy, right? One cracked tooth uh, might have saved my life. Might have changed me forever. Uh, so I don't go on that deployment. Get my wisdom teeth pulled. I'm just working the base, law enforcement, canine stuff, and then a deployment pops up for me in 2006 to Djibouti, Africa. <laughs> I had never even heard of Djibouti before. Uh, other handlers were trying to jump on it and go because it wasn't Iraq. It wasn't necessarily the Middle East. Something different. And they thought maybe it was going to be a cake deployment. Well, it wasn't, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, uh, stop saying that. So 2006, I get chosen for this deployment. I get my pre-deployment training. Uh, I go to Creech Air Base down in Las Vegas. It's a few weeks of just uh, ground, ground-based defense type training. Just a lot of it's outdated shit that you don't really need anymore, but it's requirement by the Air Force. And go down there, I do that. Come back. Uh, while I'm waiting to go, I'm at the kennels one day, and the phone rings, and I answer. And this guy goes, "This is Staff Sergeant Gum from Tyndall Air Force Base. Uh, I'm looking for is this Sergeant or this Sergeant Humbrecht." And I'm like, "Yes. What's up?" And he goes, "Well." What's your date of rank? First thing he asked me. First thing he asked, what's your date of rank when I put on staff sergeant? I tell him, and I hadn't been staff sergeant very long. I was pretty new, pretty new E5. And he's like, well, I'm your kennel master then when we deploy. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, my name's David Gum, and I'll be deploying with you or whatever. And to be honest with you guys, and I don't talk shit on here. That's one of my rules. And I'm not going to talk shit about Gum, David Gum. I uh, hope he's doing good. Hope life's good for him. Can't stand the dude. Um, that deployment with him, like, he's just a buzzkill, that whole fucking deployment. Thought he was in charge. He was in charge by data rank, but, like, whatever, David. I hope you hear this. I hope you come find me. I'll fight you, you fool. <laughs> All right, enough talking shit about him. But he was the kennel master. We survived. We did fine over there. Uh, but another handler that was there with me, who was also stationed with David Gumatindo, was Patrick Shue. And Pat pretty much took me under his wing and, and uh, taught me the ropes. It was my first deployment. Uh, especially with a dog, taught me so much. And David Gum taught me some stuff too, for real. Like he showed me some things and taught me some stuff. And when it came to dog training and like any of that, like those, both of those guys, they taught me a lot. And I appreciate them a lot for that. Uh, Pat, man, I remember the first time I see this dude. Uh, I get to Dover. I believe we were at Dover. Dover Air Race is where most of the handlers at that time would, um, that's where the handlers like would, that's where you go before you fly out. So we took a military flight uh, through Germany. Got all drunk over there. Well, I was saying at Dover was the first. That's where I met Pat Shue. 
And for you guys that I don't know if you're following along or not, Pat is the one that's sponsoring my podcast. He has his own canine company and business that he's starting, and uh, that's why I'm talking about this today. That's why it's part of my story time. So at Dover Air Base, I meet uh, Air Force Base. I meet Pat and David, and we're about to go we'll get ready to go overseas. We stop in Germany. I have my first uh, ever German beer in Germany. I think that shit's like 11%. We had Krestelweissen. I drank like three of them. I was hammered. It was awesome. <laughs> but I'm not a big beer guy, but when you're in Germany, you got to drink the beer, and it tastes like real man. Like, it tastes like real beer, not this Bud Light bullshit. Uh, for you don't like the taste of beer, like, those darker ones ain't going to help at all. Like, it's like drinking motor oil, that flavored beer-flavored motor oil. Um... We stop in Germany. We have a good time there. I think we were there for maybe a day and a half, two days. Got our drink on. There's some sort of beer festival going on. And I guess there's always a beer festival going on in Germany. Uh, we gear up. We get on a C-130, which is a prop plane. We fly. Did we fly on a C-130? No. We flew in on a C-17, I think. Larger plane. I flew out on a prop plane. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Just so you guys know. My memory is junk. I've been hitting the head a lot. I've drank a lot. Uh, there's a lot of things that are against me in my short-term memory. Uh, obviously, this is long-term memory, Dave. But a lot of it might be fuzzy or the way everybody remembers things is different. Uh, Pat's definitely going to be on my podcast someday when I get when I get around to it or I get my shit together. The, the big pushback on guests right now is I don't feel like I'm good enough, you guys. I'm still working on this shit. I'm still working on my verbal pauses and uh, um, uh, so blah. I'm doing it, you know, and I'm not critiquing myself on here. I am, but you guys are along for the ride with me and I don't mind. I, don't, I really don't care. So, but someday Pat is definitely going to be on my podcast for sure. And we're going to sit down and we could talk about it. He can tell you guys what a young Dave Helmbrick was like back in 2006. Uh, I'm sure I was a spitfire I was just a go-getter. I, I, I still have the energy, that, that life energy. I have it. I've always had it. I've always wanted to go and be that outgoing, crazy person and make other people laugh. That's how I've always been. So we get there and we fly in and it's, it's 4th of July. We fly in on the night of 4th of July. And everybody on Camp Lemonier in Djibouti, Africa, Camp Lemonier is the base we were at. Everybody there is in civilian clothes and they're all celebrating the 4th of July they were authorized civilian clothes to wear anywhere at the cantina and other things and I'll get into that in a minute and we're walking along with all three of our dogs and everybody's like hey what's up war dog what's up war dog and they kept calling us war dog and like okay well the call sign for the canine team there was war dog so any only one team would be on duty at a time They their, their, call, their call sign was war dog so it's pretty cool well we get in we get settled in we, we two of the dog so there's us three are replacing the three dog teams that are already there. Two of them geared up, got on the plane that we came on, and were gone. One of them stayed behind to do what we call left seat, right seat, uh, or you know a changeover. So he is going to teach us the ropes of Djibouti, Africa. Uh, wish I could remember the guy's name. Black dude, cool guy, awesome guy. Uh, you could tell he'd been there for six months already. He was fucking ready to go, and he was so lazy. It was funny. But that's how everybody through a deployment, man. Once you're there for so long, you just you just kind of get sick of it, and you're ready to go home. And not everybody, but most of us, I think. Well, that guy teaches the ropes, and he eventually leaves. And so there's three dog handlers there. Uh, me, Pat, and David. Uh, 
Trying to think of the dog's names. I know Pat had Spike, which is a Belgian Malinois. And uh, Gum, he had a... Uh, I refer to him as Gum. I don't like saying David. That's my name. It gets weird when I'm telling stories. Gum had a um, old, like a 13-year-old Belgian Malinois named Tucker. And he was pretty cool. Both really good dogs. Spike was the most chill, most freaking chill Belgian Malinois I ever seen in my life. He would come in from outside, from the search pit or wherever, come in the tent, put his head on the, just his head and like one of his front legs on the couch and fall asleep. You're like, what is he doing? It's hilarious. So... Our primary job here at Camp Lemonier was searching large vehicles and searching luggage and baggage and, and the mail that came on to the base. Uh, one handler would be on shift for 24 hours and they would carry a radio around and the gate would radio and you when they had a large vehicle you had to go search. Uh, they, they let you know when there was luggage that had to be searched. They hit you up when the mail was in and you had to go over to the international airport of Djibouti's international airport and search the mail. Uh, that was like our primary job. We went around and did like random walking patrols and random anti-terrorist measures. And uh, we worked with the the quick response force, the QRF that was over there, which was when we first got there, was made up of Marines. Uh, believe it or not, I think the security the entire time was Marines. But when we first got there, we worked for the Marines. And in my experience, I loved working with the Marines. I loved working with the Army. Uh they look at you and they're like, you're the dog team, you're the dog handler, you're the canine team, whatever you are. <laughs> you, you're the subject matter expert. Like, if you walk up to me and you're like, I'm a basket weaver and I'm, I'm your basket weaver, I'd be like, I don't know anything about it. I'm just going to trust that you're the expert at it and that you know what you're doing. That's how it is with a lot of times with canine. And that's the best way. I like that. I like when somebody was like, I don't know your job. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. You, I'm going to trust that you know how to do it and you've gotten this far. I'm going to trust you, right? That's how the Marines were. The Marines didn't bug us. They left us alone. As long as we got out there and searched what we had to search and do our job, they left us alone. It was great. So halfway through the deployment, the, the Navy took over. And man, talk! I thought the Air Force micromanaged shit, man. Those guys micromanaged the shit out of us. It was ridiculous. They had us going to their musters and getting briefed on things we didn't even need to know about. And they were up in our business and... Man, uh, it still wasn't all that bad. We weren't getting shot at or blown up or bombed. You know, we never got mortared or any of that. We really weren't in a combat scenario. Uh, Camp Lemonier was more of, it was a pre-staging base for special ops. That's the cool part about that place is we were, we'd run around there and there was operators and para, rangers, pararescue, all the special forces for all the branch, Navy SEALs, all the branch would come there. Uh, they did jump training there. They geared up and got ready to go into the Middle East or Iraq, Iran, wherever they were going, Afghanistan. Uh, Djibouti, Africa is on the Horn of Africa. And ideally, it is geography, geography, logistically, I can't say that word right now. Logistically, it's in a good spot for like a pre-staging base. That's why it's there. That's why they chose it. Obviously, Dave. Uh, We're like right on the Horn of Africa, right by the Red Sea. And I actually got to go and Go, that was the first time I ever got to see the ocean, touch the ocean, go swimming was when I was in Africa. And I believe, Pat, you came on me with that MWR trip where we went out. To, we were out to the ocean and went swimming. And I have a video, dude, of me jumping in the ocean for the first time ever. And when I get out, I'm like, man, this is salty. And Pat's like, kind of like the first time you had sex, huh? <laughs> it was a pretty good joke at the time, man. But, uh, so... 
that was pretty much the job and the gist of it there. We'd go over and search mail. The most interesting part about going to search the mail was uh, while you were over there, a lot of times this big white plane would fly in and they would throw and it would unload all these big white, not big white bags, but these white bags and they'd be throwing them off this plane and throwing them in the back of trucks and all this other stuff. Well, it's called cat or cot. I remember calling it cot. Other people refer to it as cat, K-A-T. And it's a drug. It's a green leafy plant. Uh, you chew it up in your mouth and it's like, it's an amphetamine. It's an upper. It's like cocaine. Uh, all the taxi drivers have this huge, they like stretch their mouth out with it. It's this huge wad of cot in their mouth and they spit red, turns their teeth red. I never tried it. I kind of wish I would have now, believe it or not. I wish I would have gave it a shot. Why not, right? Uh, I feel like I was going to get back here and be, addi- I'm addicted to cot. Where do I find it in the United States? I mean, I don't even know if you can get it here. Well, they're all addicted to it over there. Your taxi cab drivers, if you did go downtown and go off base, I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, had these huge wads of it in and stuff. And it was, uh, it's a pretty interesting place to be. It was all legal. There was this cot stand at every, every hundred meters. There was a cot stand. Every hundred yards, there was a cot stand selling it on the side of the road. And it was just, it's everywhere. And it was legal. And what I heard was the prime minister's wife ran the cot program. Insane, right? Uh, just remember that some of the other stuff we did that was pretty cool is we would go down we'd bring one dog and one of the handlers would go to spot him and we'd go down to the pier uh, right on the ocean uh, Navy ships would come in to refuel they come in to restock and resupply huge ships it was so cool it was one of the funnest things to do so you got to be off base you got to see how these Jabushans were living uh a terrible poverty man they live in like the most shittiest stuff little dirt huts uh if there was like a i don't remember there really being apartments but they were kind of stacked on each other one of those kind of things and just the poorest people ever but they all had good attitudes and they all seemed really happy and uh there's a big french population there a lot of french people well we would go down and search these these uh we'd search the load the docks uh, the piers, we'd search them to make sure nobody planted explosives there. Uh, EOD would be there, Explosive Ordnance Division would be there, and they'd be diving. They'd be under the water, making sure nobody put landmines and shit or underwater mines there to blow these ships up. It's it's crazy the amount of security we do for these things. But what are one of those ships worth? Millions. And then the personnel on it. Like, you'd lose so many lives if we lost a ship like that. So we do that. That was also pretty fun. Um, also we worked, so since we worked for the Marines and the Navy there, we actually worked for, uh, we called it force protection and we would be able to go over, we'd go off base, we'd go downtown. So randomly the troops on that base would get what's called Liberty and Liberty was like, so tonight Liberty is until 10, uh, or until 10, if you're at this rank, 11, if you're at this rank. I'm pretty sure that's how they did it. Well, Liberty was, you could leave base at a certain time and you had to be back at a certain time. You, you had to wear civilian clothes, obviously to not target yourself. And you could go downtown and there's clubs and there was bars and there was hookers everywhere. It was like African, Djiboutian, Ethiopian hookers everywhere. A lot of them were Ethiopian. They come from Ethiopia to work at the bars and, and prostitute themselves. And it was a very interesting process and... I never, I'm telling you guys right now, I never got an Ethiopian or Djiboutian or African hooker. Not my, and don't get me wrong, these women were gorgeous. They were beautiful women. But I'm not sleeping with the, 
an African hooker in Africa because the HIV population, the HIV, I think was like somewhere from eight to 10% HIV in the population itself. But within the hooker population was 85%. And that's what they told us probably bumped it up a little bit to scare us a little, but you just, I don't know, but I'm going to lie to you guys. I know some Navy guys. I knew some Marines who had girlfriends off base in Djibouti, Africa. And how it worked was you can go, so you go to these clubs and bars and you find one that you like or looks good or whatever, and you can buy them a drink. I bought a couple of them drinks and you just kind of spend time with them. I hung out with them. I danced with them and we would just sit and talk and it was fun. I had a great time. You guys, I bring up racial shit. I talk about other shit because I am so, so intrigued by other cultures I'm so intrigued by seeing other people do things. Like here at work, we have Len- Lennis or whatever. Uh, Wang Bang is his last name. It's awesome. Or Lennis is his last name. Wang Bang is his first name. And he's from Cameroon. And I pick his brain. I talk to him all the time. I love, I love, I love his energy. I love that he's happy. Uh, coming from Cameroon and being where he is in the United States, even at like the laborist job here, like he's winning compared to there. Like coming here is huge. So... I love culture. I love just getting balls deep into culture, you know, but it's not balls deep into African hookers because I didn't want to get HIV or anything like that. I wasn't trying to bring shit home like that. And I think I actually had a girlfriend. My, it was actually my second ex-wife was at the time I was with her while I was in Africa. We didn't do too bad as a couple there. Uh, a lot of times in their separation from couples, especially in the military, you're gone for six months, man. It can be really stressful on both people. And a lot of people, they take it out on each other or a lot of it is, man, we talk on the phone all the time. We run out of shit to talk about. So next thing you know, you start nitpicking or bitching. And it was like bitching about only tire keeps going flat on the car. Well, I'm on the other side of the world. I can't help you take it to a repair shop. Why are you even asking me? Be an independent woman. Come on now. Oh, where was I? The clubs and the hookers. So the hooker culture over there. So I would buy one a drink, and it was 7,000 Jabushin francs, which is roughly $10 per drink. Expensive, right? So I'd buy him a drink, maybe two, and we'd sit and we'd talk and have fun, and I'd joke with him, and I'd dance with him. I love to dance. And they could dance, man. Oh, they love to dance. So we'd go dance and, and this and that. Well, how it worked, if you wanted to get sex or a companionship from these, it almost works out to be like a, a baby. You become a sugar daddy. I'm sure you could work a deal where you pay one time and that's it. I'm sure a lot of you will do that. But the idea, so you sit there, you buy them a few drinks, dance with them, get to know them, be in their company, or they're in your company or whatever. And then the next step is you go, you leave the club and you go and on these little, there's little stands along outside and they sell these noodles, a big plate of these noodles. Look like yakasoba to me, like yakasoba noodles. I never tried it or ate it. And I never got to this point with a hooker, okay? I'm just telling you guys what I knew from over there. Believe it or not, I didn't get with a hooker, okay? <laughs> I, uh, you buy them that plate, and then what I heard is, like, they eat it up like they're starving. They'll eat it up, and then you, after that, you negotiate what you want. Like, if I want a blowjob, or if I want a sex, or whatever I want, or if I want to make this a sugar daddy kind of thing, that's where you figure it out. And you, you figure out how much you're going to pay her. And then once it becomes a sugar daddy kind of thing, you don't necessarily pay her, but let's say her mom needs diapers for her baby or her grandma, or they need an air conditioner for their house. I knew a chief in the Navy who bought a hooker and her family an air conditioner because he was being the sugar daddy that he was. And 
if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. But that was what the hooker culture was kind of like. And it, it was pretty interesting. A big part of us, so we would, when we would go down there, uh, we wouldn't drink. We'd be on duty. We did drink. I ain't gonna lie. We weren't supposed to drink. And we were just down there to make sure that military guys, Marines and Army dudes, weren't jumping into uh, cabs or leaving with hookers. Like, we had to try to stop them if we seen it happen. Good luck trying to stop it. But at the same time, like, we had to keep the Army and the Marines from fighting each other. I remember Pat Shu got punched in the face by a big Chamorro dude. Uh, we had a Guam guard unit that was, that was there with us. And I loved those guys, man. They were so much fun. They loved to play pool. They loved beer. They loved to throw darts. And at Camp Lamineer, there was right across from where the kennels was, was this huge uh, building. We called it the Cantina. And you could actually go there on certain nights of the week and have three drinks, three beers. All they had was beer and wine. You could have three drinks and they kept track of how many you'd have and it was pretty prim, prim, it was pretty primitive system and you could you could get past it. We did bar we actually got to bartend because we were part of the force protection and stuff. So we actually got to go over there and bartend. You get so many tips because people give you that little card and it have the days of the month on it, like a little calendar. You put one at, you put one you put one line through the date, the next line through the date and then you circle it for the third one and you knew they had their three drinks and they were done. Well, some people's single little lines would get really thick, if you know what I'm saying. We would be, if you knew the certain people, we'd be giving them more. People had way more than three beers. I'm just going to say that. Uh, but we could go to this cantina and drink. They'd play music. We'd play pool and darts. And we'd all just hang out and have a good time. Well, that Guam unit, the Guam guard unit, uh, they were awesome. Those guys were the fucking funnest dudes I ever met. And they barbecue every other day. Always invite you. They're the sweetest people. Uh awesome guys you guys ever been to guam or go to guam or know people from that area or just islander people all alone are pretty happy good people uh uh (laughs) i'm almost done man i gotta go in here soon uh our kennel situation i was gonna kind of say that so the dog stayed in a hardened facility we had a kennel four or five runs i believe it had uh four or five kennels within the hardened brick kennel and then we stayed in a tent right next to it and I think everybody thought that that tent was uh, was where like our office, like where we worked out of, which we did. But we also slept there. So opposite genders weren't allowed in our tent. Or, you know, opposite genders weren't allowed in anybody else's tent. It was a guy's tent, no girls in there. You guys get it. Nobody knew that, so nobody seemed to care. So we would um, bring girls in and out of our tent all the time. What happened in there? That uh, it'll stay a mystery, I guess. <laughs> we had a lot of fun in Africa. Um, um, I spent uh, me and my verbal pauses all of a sudden. I'm trying to wrap this up. I got to get back into work here. It was a good time. I had a me a meeting Pat Shu and him helping me through my first deployment and just becoming buddies with him is. I told Pat. Me and Pat talked on the phone last night, and I told him, man, I, I didn't tell him this, but. If he lived closer, he'd be my buddy, man. I'd definitely hang out with Pat all the time. We have a lot in common. Uh, Just good dude, man. And he sponsored my podcast, man. And I can't thank him enough. Uh, If you guys want me to sponsor, want to sponsor me, hit me up. If you guys, I even told him he didn't have to pay me shit. I'm like, Pat, you don't gotta pay me, man. I'll talk about, I'll talk about your company, your business, 
anything you want me to talk about. You're my boy. That's what I do. And that was Djibouti, Africa. I left a little early. I think I got out a week or two before those guys because uh, my dog, Boric, at the time, was a mixed breed mutt of a dog. Little boxer-looking brindle dog, and he was not the best military-working dog. And I actually took him to Iraq a few years later. And uh, he, we were doing some training, and he ripped a pad off of one of his feet. Like, a, one of his dogs have pads on the bottom of their feet. Everybody knows that, or they're little what you would call it but he ripped one off completely and it wasn't going to heal and it's sand and dirty over there and it just it was time for us to go and I got out of there early uh, I don't remember when was it right at the end of December I believe I got out of there so I did a little less than six months in Djibouti Africa and that's the Djibouti story hopefully I can sit down with Pat and we can talk about it and I can get his point of view on some stuff he'll probably remember some crazy shit that happened there and I remember a whole I could sit here and talk about it for a long time but that was story time. I'm going to try to make that a new thing too where I sit and kind of rant about a story or whatever and 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 get some I got to get some music you guys, especially at the beginning when I start uh, I got to get a Dave Cast theme song. But next we're going to talk about what was next? MMA talk. We're going to talk about some of the shit that happened this last weekend, some of the results and how I feel like it went down. And we'll talk about the Bellator card that's coming up. We're about to do that right now. It's time! Fighting out of the red corner. He is a wrestler, grappler, with a professional record of three and two. Fighting out of Grand Forks, North Dakota, by way of Millbank, South Dakota. And Dave, the Alpha Dog, Helmbrook. That's how I would imagine Bruce Buffer saying it. Maybe not as good as I did. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Fight Talk, MMA Talk, whatever you want to call it. Last weekend's fights were pretty good. I was fucking so disappointed by my boy Dillashaw. Not my boy, I don't like him necessarily. I think he's kind of a... In the interviews and stuff I see with him, he's kind of a prick. But I mentioned it before how if you're going to be... You think you're the best in the world, you're going to kind of be cocky. You're going to kind of be a prick. It's just it's the way it's going to be, you know? We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, the rest of the fight card was pretty good, pretty interesting. I'm gonna look it up here real quick just to refresh my memory. I haven't done a crazy amount of uh, research here or not. I know one of the Walt uh, Harris fails drug test. Interesting. Where McDonald to defend his welterweight title against John Finch. That's coming up in April. Bellator putting on some good shit. Uh, Man, I'm trying to figure out where I can find the results to this if I can even find it. Uh, man, I am bad at navigating and talking at the same time. All right, here we go. Sorry, you guys. Try to navigate and do this shit at the same time, but it's all good. Uh, fucking Donald Cerrone, right, man? Jesus, cowboy, I love you, man. I'm so glad that you put a hurting on our, uh, Hernandez, dude. That dude was trying to talk shit, man, and like... I don't know, I was gonna share the video, but the pre-fight, like interview, the pre-fight uh, conference, press conference or whatever they do, uh, or one of them, uh, Hernandez is like talking shit to Cowboy. And Cowboy's like, what are you doing right now, man? He's like, uh, we're staying in the same fucking hotel. You're like one room away from me. If you got something to say, say it then, say it now. Why say it in front of the microphones? It calls him out. Like, you wanna talk shit, dude? We're gonna fight for real. 
You know, and it's like just, it's crazy, man. It's awesome. I love Cowboy. I love the way he presents himself. He came out, man, and he fought awesome. He was putting together some good, some good combinations, and it just, I watch him strike, man, and he just, it's like an art form to him, dude. It's so good. It is an art form. Duh. Anyway, uh, JoJo, Joanne Calderwood, she takes off, she got a win. She was just, she was kicking ass, man. She was all over that girl, and Lipsky was her name. She beat. Glover Texter coming out with a submission win. I'm glad to see Glover get a win. He's he's a stud, man. He just hasn't really been given his due, and it took him a while to get started in the UFC. Uh, there was, like, some weird, uh, I think he had, like, visa problems. He couldn't get to the U.S. to fight, and it just took him a long time, and uh, he probably passed his prime now. I don't think Tech Glover will ever, like, challenge anybody for a belt again or even do a title fight. I hate saying that about him, but he probably won't. Uh, but he's... He's still tough as shit. Paige Van Zandt, the little is she the karate hottie? No, that's somebody else. But Paige uh, beat the Rachel Ostovich or whatever. Another good fight. Uh, Benavides pulls off a win. Uh, good to see that. Uh, Gregor Gillespie won. Trying to get into the more interesting shit here. Well, uh, <laughs> interesting. I'm looking across the road right now, and some trucker just got out of his truck, and he it looks like he has a Belgian Malinois as his uh, as his buddy. Distractions. Anyway, as you guys can tell, I haven't done a shit ton of research on this. So it's just gonna be a recap kind of thing, and go from there. Well, okay. So Greg Hardy, I talked about it last week. Greg Hardy, former NFL player, uh, came coming off of the Contender Series, Dana White's Contender Series. Three knockout wins real quick. Going to finally get his UFC chance here. And they put him as a co-main event. And it couldn't have bit him in the ass any worse than it did. Uh, the guy came out, man. He, he was trying to get the big knockout right away. And when he didn't get it, man, it just all went to shit. Uh, Alan Crowder started freaking piecing him up and coming back. And he couldn't put Alan away. And then he just started panicking and getting tired and just couldn't... Uh, he just couldn't get it going, man. Uh, Brendan Schaub on Brendan's uh, below the belt tears Greg Hardy apart, man. Like, destroyed him for like six minutes straight. And I'm like, I thought it was a little harsh. But for a guy who used to, a guy who beats women, he's fucking dead behind the eyes. If you guys don't believe me, go look at Greg Hardy. Just look at a picture of him or watch him in like an interview. And that guy is just, I think he's just a bad dude, honestly. Uh... It's no good. I don't want to judge a guy, man, but like, I don't know. I think it's like he, Brennan Shaw put it the best way. He's like, if you're, if you're a kind of guy who puts your hand on women, you're just, that's just, you're just, you might as well embrace that you're a piece of shit because that's the kind of person you are. Alan Crowder, shout out to you, bro. Kick it ass, dude. I'm glad you beat him. Uh, I'm glad you beat him. I'm like, why do I hate this guy? I don't. I have no reason to hate anybody, but with all the allegations and everything the UFC threw on the guy. And I hope, I hope Greg Hardy comes, maybe he comes back from this and he puts on some good fights or whatever. I don't know. doesn't matter. But Alan Crowder beat him and it was actually an illegal knee. Uh, Greg Hardy uh, threw a knee while he to a grounded opponent and uh, Alan Crowder couldn't finish. It's kind of a, a, a shitty way to watch an ending too. I hate when fights end with a disqualification or shit like that. But at the same time, uh, Senri, ah, uh, God, I'm all, I can't even think. 
Too busy. I'm getting distracted by the dog across the street. He's cool looking, but he needs to get off the fucking street. Watch your dog, dude. That's the shit I think about. Uh, main event, Cejudo Dillashaw. Obviously, my prediction wasn't even close. I picked Dillashaw winning TKO fourth round. And I wish it would have went that way. Either one, winning or losing. I wish we could have saw a good fight. Well, Cejudo catches him right away with a... I don't know what he hit him with. He caught him, rocked him, and just was all over him. And the ref stopped the fight. TJ was still moving and trying to defend himself. Early stoppage for sure. But Henry Cejudo wasn't going to stop. Wasn't going to stop mauling him. Wasn't going to stop being all over him. Wasn't going to stop bringing it. But TJ could have recovered. You never know. You know what I mean? And fighter, the fighter's safety is huge. But when a freaking champ versus champ main event, something that big, man. Trust me, Dillashaw is not going to be mad if in in back you know afterwards if he was, if he got blasted and knocked out on the ground or he actually got finished finished. You know what I'm saying? Fighter safety is important, but when it comes down to a fight of that magnitude, man, you got you got to let it you got to let it play out the way it plays out. And uh, now they're talking about having a rematch at 135, which I think is good for Dillashaw. Cejudo uh, don't got to cut the weight either. It, it, it's interesting, man, and I hate. I hate when there's like a high level fight like that and it ends really quick. I wanted to see some some takedowns. You know, I wanted to see them trying to take each other down. I want to see who was going to take the other one down, man. That was like some crazy. Cejudo's wrestling was better than Dillashaw's. But Dillashaw's MMA wrestling with his setups and all that shit is just, it's it's an art form, man. It's crazy to watch. And I'd love to watch it. And I didn't get to see it. You know what I mean? And it's like fights like, uh, uh, like when McGregor fought Aldo, you're like, oh man, it's going to be a good fight. And then he knocks him out in 12 seconds and you're like, damn, why did I buy that pay-per-view? <laughs> uh, yeah, it gets pretty crazy. But what do we got going on this weekend? We got a Bellator 214 Fedor versus Ryan Bader. And that's the championship fight of the uh, their heavyweight Grand Prix or their heavyweight tournament that Bellator had. And I think Ryan Bader is going to win it. Uh, I don't want to... Fedor is definitely bigger than Ryan Bader, but I don't think... I don't think Fedor's got an M anymore, man. But if he wants to keep fighting, he's... That's Fedor, Emelianenko. He's the freaking emperor, dude. He can fight as long as he wants. He's been around for a long time, and... He's one of the greats. But I think Ryan Bader's gonna get it. Uh, Ryan Bader's just on a roll right now, and he's looking good and... Feeling good. Uh, Aaron Pico's on this card as well. Uh, if you guys don't know who he is or watch him, he's like an up-and-coming uh, smaller guy. But he's an up-and-coming guy. He like knocked his, his last one was with like a body shot. Uh, his striking's ridiculous. His wrestling's ridiculous. He's just an all-around badass little fighter. and uh, he's, he's somebody to keep an eye on and watch. But the rest of these guys, I don't know who they are. I haven't done my research this week, really. Um, just kind of talk about the guys I know. And that's kind of how it always goes. But that's it. That's all I got. There's some good stuff coming up, man. Whitaker versus Gaslam. That should be a pretty good fight. Uh, a few other things. Bellator's got some good stuff coming up. It's going to be good. I'm excited to watch some MMA. I'm excited to talk about it more. Everybody's like, dude, you got to talk about MMA and do MMA podcasts because that's where you're the best at. And I don't know about today, but I love MMA. I love, I've been doing it for forever. Uh, I've been involved in the game, whether it's jujitsu. Uh, out at MAP doing the MMA stuff with those guys. 
Uh, I've been in the game for a really long time and I know what it takes to be really good at it and you gotta be so dedicated and if you're not training daily, if not twice a day, you're not training enough to, to make it past the level that we have around here, if that makes any sense. You can half-ass it and go fight on shitty fight cards around Minnesota, North Dakota and get away with it, but you, if you wanna make it anywhere in the fight game, you better start training a lot and with like really good people. Is that a message to my fighter friends? Maybe. Maybe that's a message. Maybe you guys need to step it up a little bit if you really want to go somewhere with it. And it's just... One thing I don't... One thing that really kind of... I think about a lot. And it's just like... I, I feel like some of these guys are like, why aren't you, you... You should be in the gym with us, Dave. Why aren't you training more with us and this and that. If you guys knew how much of my fucking 20s was lived in the gym, lifting weights... Jiu-jitsu, grappling, sparring, fighting, boxing, you name it, like, every day, man. I would wake up at fucking 5 in the morning and hit the pool and start swimming just to get my cardio up because I knew I had to work on my technique in the afternoons. Cardio in the morning, technique in the afternoons. Get my ass to Fargo and train with the savages down there at Academy Combat Arts. Shout out to the Academy of Combat Arts and Dylan and his guys down there. You crazy. So... I know in Grand Forks here, we don't have much to choose from when it comes to training and who to train with and where to train, but we got some stuff and you got to use what you got to use and you got to just whatever resources you got, whether it's minimal resources or a bunch. If you want, if you want to get good at something like MMA, especially MMA, you're putting your head on the line, you're putting your health on the line, you have, have to step it up uh, or else somebody else is going to step it up more than you and they're going to smash you. Uh... But anyway, this is it, man. I got to go. I love you guys. Uh, This is the podcast. Thanks for listening. I appreciate all of you guys so much. Uh, Feedback, other shit, whatever. Uh, I didn't get into the fan questions this week. Uh, There wasn't much to talk about on there. So if you guys are listening, you guys are slacking. Slacking. So next Monday when I put up the post, well, what the fuck you guys want to talk about? You better come up with something interesting. Uh, One more shout out to Patrick, my boy, Chewbacca. Uh, thank you for the sponsorship, man. It means the world to me. You're like officially my first sponsor. <sighs> it means the world to me, man. These podcasts are going to keep coming. They're never going to stop. So shout out to Alaska Canine Solutions. Uh, if you're in Alaska or anywhere, write the man a question. If you want to know about dogs or you're curious about training dogs or getting a trained dog, uh, he's the man to talk to for real. Uh yeah, man. I love you guys. Hit me up. Dave's podcast one at gmail.com. Dave Helmert on Facebook, obviously. Dave Cast on Facebook. Funny Welder on Twitter and Instagram. Love you guys. I'll see you next week.